In the morning, when you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment of the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Hideki Matsuyama won the Masters yesterday, the first Japanese man to win the Masters. Did either of you watch much of this? It was kind of a blowout on Sunday. I watched, uh, yeah, I was watching it while well, watching the hockey game, had it on my laptop, definitely watching it. Um, it was funny because his lead was five or six before he got uh, to the to the 10th because 10, 11, and 12 will just kind of kill dreams at the Masters. And we were like, all right, as long as you get through 12, this thing's over. And then he hits in the water in 15th and gives Shoffley a chance. Like, what? if I'm on 15 and I have that kind of lead, I might be hitting at 40 yards over the green. Like, the one thing I'm not doing is hitting the water, which was very bizarre. It's sitting there with Dave Shane of the Review Journal, and we're looking at each other going, "That what is he doing? I mean, it's over. And then he, and Shoffley then, I think, triples the 16th, so he's done and yeah. it's over. But, um, you know, that, you know, uh, that was, I mean, I'm glad he won. It was really cool for Japan. He's obviously one of those cliche best guys never to have done it. He's definitely in that group. He's an incredible golfer. So I thought that was really cool that he was able to do it. But yeah, it was it was pretty funny that when he got to 15, he did that. I'm like, he understands he's got a big lead, right? Like, what was that? Um, so I thought it was cool that he won it. I thought, I thought uh, like I said, he's been waiting a long time and he's really, really good, this guy. So good for him that he was able to do it. Anticlimactic, though. I need some I need some more climax as we get to the end of the match. Climatic. Got a little close. Got a little close. We wait. Um, we. I mean, it, he ended up winning by one stroke, but yeah, it was you know, but, he just had to two putt from like yeah. twelve feet away or whatever yeah, he was, exactly. and that was yeah. No, no, no interest at the end or no uh, excitement at the end, which is unfortunate. It's like a seven-four hockey game at the end. Not really fun. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> The NHL has extended the regular season to May 16th. All right, we're okay, before we get into this, we do the same thing every time. <laughs> Mike Mayock says crafty wording, Ed giggles, and then Jared giggles because Ed giggles, and Ed keeps giggling every time he hears it. Well, wait, I, that's not me giggling. That has to be on, that has to be on the replay. Let me wait, what? I've never, I've never wait, done Okay, hold, hold on, oh. hold on. Stop everything. Yeah. You're telling me that wasn't you giggle. giggling live? No. All it right. hasn't been me the entire time. I'm about to play okay. it. I'm about to okay. play let's, it. Let's yeah. let's hear this, Jared. That's okay, crafty play. wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> oh, wow. Hold on, okay. hold on, hold on. That's crafty <laughs> wording right there. I give you credit. It is yeah. in the... What? Wow. Yeah. You, guys have, you guys have thought this entire time I sit here and go, huh? Eh? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh my yes. God. Every single time. You have to do it with. Shove it in. No, I've never done. I mean, I obviously did it the first time he said it to me, but I haven't done it since. That's crafty <laughs> wording right there. I give you credit. Yeah, that's. I haven't done that. We oh, have been falsely mate. accusing yeah. you. Of wow. Yeah. It's. No, only, this is the problem with not doing the show in the studio. Is that yeah. it? Just it sounds like a Zoom call. Yeah, no, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's never been me after that. Okay, but Jared, that is actually you giggling every time yeah. after you yes. hear it. Because I thought it was him giggling every time. Because <laughs> we used to have a genuine problem where he would laugh every time. Shove it in. Was played. Okay. 
the NHL has extended the regular season to May 16th. Now, this is in regards to the Canucks and the Canucks being delayed. What are we on? 10 days now or so for the Canucks? And oh, brutal. They, they seem optimistic they'll be able to get back to practice soon, but when they actually can play games is another question. But regular season was supposed to end May 8th. Pushing it back to May 16th means the playoffs could start May 19th at the earliest, but we'll see how they do it. They technically could start everyone but the Canadian division earlier, but I don't know how much they want to do that because then your timing for when you get to the Final Four would be off. Um, so the NHL's pushed it back. I have a question. Are the Canucks even going to be able to come back with one extra week? I, I just don't know why they continue to do this and not shut it down. They were supposed to open their facility on Sunday. That guy got, that got called off because they added another name to the list. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, like you said, this would be very weird if the mighty Honda division started the playoffs. The Canadian division hasn't. And somehow they get to the Final Four. Let's say it's the Golden Knights. The Golden Knights have three weeks off in between their <laughs> win against Colorado and when they start the Final Four. I mean, I think, look, I think you start it all at the same time. I mean, there, obviously there'd be a break for many teams if they have to wait through the Canadian division getting through. But it would be very bizarre and convoluted if you're starting a playoff division before another one, depending on rest and how much time you yeah. get off. I think you waited out. This has been a weird season to begin with. So wait the thing out if you're going to do the Canucks and start them all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, best case scenario is if you're the NHL right now, you kind of reschedule the rest of the team so that they don't have eight days off between the end of right, the season right, and the start right. of the playoffs. Reschedule you, them and just do yeah. more back-to-backs and just get it over with. Right. Every You know, like the Golden Knights, for example, they don't need to play every other day if there's eight no. more days at the end of the schedule that you can put games in. The problem with that, though, is if the Golden Knights or the Avalanche or somebody has to go on pause because of COVID, then all of a sudden you're you're screwed with that team and you're having to try to make up games in other places. But that would make the most sense, and then everybody's playing up until May 16th, and then you start yeah. the playoffs May 19th, and there's no you know ridiculous amount of rest for one team versus other teams or something like it's that. So... I don't know how likely that is, but the goal, the NHL has been very flexible on their schedule throughout the entire season. So I think you could possibly pull it off. This is the only time a condensed schedule will last longer than a regular season schedule. Like, <laughs> this is going to be like, wait a minute, the regular season doesn't usually last this long. Jeez. What do you think? The Phillies beat the Braves 7-6 to six last night. The Phillies scored the game-winning run in the top of the ninth on a sack fly, but nobody's really sure that Nate Bum actually touched the plate. Do you think he touched the plate last night? Um, I've got to be honest with you. I was writing. I did not see it, but I am checking, and you can help me out here. Why in the world – where where is this now? Why in the world didn't we lead the fact with your Astros lost to the A's over the weekend? It happened on Saturday. Not that big ah. of a deal. Worst team in baseball. I did not see the. I did not see the touch. You're gonna have to help me out with that. I was working. Well, I put the link in the rundown for you to click on it, Ed. Get it together. Oh, you did. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah. Bad sports refs. Uh, Bad sports refs. You can watch it live and tell us if he touched the plate. Ah, the toe. Hold on, let me see the toe. I say no. I say no. So I say no, he um, did not. I think the toe goes to the side and he doesn't clip it. So the re- the ump ruled in real time that he was safe. They reviewed it and determined he was still safe, 
was their determination. Now, here's the problem with replay in all sports. You have to have indisputable video evidence to overturn right, a call right. on the field. And while I watched that replay, and I think there is oh. a 99% chance his he did not touch the plate, there's still that 1% chance that he might have touched it, whatever, where the catcher is blocking part of the plate and you can't see it. Like, there's still a 1% chance. And so when you're reviewing something, that 1% chance is enough to say, hey, we can't change the call, even though everybody believes he didn't touch the plate. We should lower the standard in review. It doesn't have to be 99%. If you go to it and you say, okay, eh, 90% chance he didn't touch the plate, that should be good enough to say, okay, he was out, we're ruling him out, because indisputable evidence is very hard to come by in a lot of instances, especially when the replay doesn't give you a great angle. Okay, so on the second video here, not the first, the second one, there's no way he touched the plate. You know, <laughs> the second one you sent over, the, I mean, if you look at the first one, his his toe looks a lot closer to the plate than the second one. The second one, I don't know if you think, there's about a foot difference when he comes to the side of the plate there. I mean, yeah, he's way off the plate on the second one. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he touched it, but I can understand and why they would look at it and say, well, we're still not 100% sure, so he's safe, even if it's probably the wrong call. Next question. Joe Musgrove threw the first no-hitter in Padres history. Why ever the Dodgers throw a no-hitter this year? Oh, it's because they're the second-best team in the NL West. Oh, jeez, I knew you were going to get to this. Uh, you know, good for him. I, it, you know, first ever, he grew up in San Diego, his hometown team. He had committed to San Diego State. He's all San Diego. So good for Joey. And and look, I'm happy for the Padres. They get something serious to actually, uh, um, you know, uh, cheer about. But there's been so many with the Dodgers that, you know, I, I just I, I can't I can't name them all. Kershaw had one. You remember Nomos <laughs> in Colorado, one of the all time great ones. Uh, uh, they had a I think they might have had a combined a few years ago. Fernando. Come on. I mean, our list is so long. I can just say that good for Joey, hometown kid. He gets it done, and uh, they're playing well. I tell you, you know, I'm nervous. You know, I'm nervous about them. Big series starting Friday night in San Diego. Huge series coming up. Oh, you guys finally play them. Oh, good. Yeah, That's going to be. That's going to be good for next week. Um, the well, Dodgers have to the Dodgers. Dodgers sweep them, and then you won't be you won't be mentioning it at all. Yeah, won't be. It will will be mentioned a lot. Um, the 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 Dodgers do have the most. They have twenty six no hitters. Now, granted, the Dodgers have been a team since like eighteen fifty, but they do have the most no hitters. Man, you know that's a great question. Nikita Gusev has signed with the Florida Panthers. He was released by the Devils unconditionally and signed a one-year prorated one million dollar deal with the Panthers. He only had two goals in twenty games this season, which, by the way, is the same amount of goals Alex Petrangelo has scored this year. But he was playing on the fourth line there, I believe. And Nikita Gusev is a guy like Brandon Peary, where if you play him as a fourth liner, not much is going to happen. But if you play him with, like, the first or second line, he's probably going to score quite a bit. Yeah, he's got traded to a good team, right? Or, excuse me, signed with a good team, have a chance to play in the playoffs. So... You know what I say about Nikita? I want I want his translator back. I don't really care if he came back. Uh, so it looks it looks better and better though, doesn't it? That the Knights moved on from him. Um, in I mean, a yes and no. The the problem with it is that they moved on from him and kept Cody Eak in that offseason. 
Like, they decided that they wanted Cody Eakin instead of Nikita Gusev two off-seasons ago. And so, yes, it's good they got draft picks back for him. But when right. you go back and actually look at who they chose over Nikita Gusev, absolutely not. Because Cody Eakin's the worst player in the NHL. <laughs> Boy, it's a so, statement. So, I mean, is, it, it, <laughs> is there any way you can prove it wrong? No. no he's, he's the worst player in the NHL. Running. Absolutely, yeah. he's in the run. He's the worst. He's the absolute worst. So, like... Had listen, had they chosen a different player over Nikita Gusev, it looked great because yeah, the guy got released and you got draft picks for him. But the fact that they chose Cody Eakin, who's been useless, yeah, not not exactly a great decision by the Golden Knights. Just the best of two bad decisions, I guess, by the Golden Knights. All right, coming up next, are you ready for a full Allegiant Stadium this football season? I don't want a coach to you know tap me on the ass. Like, you hit somebody on the butt right now. You're not giving them corona through their butt. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Ryan Wallace is going to join us at 8.30 as we'll get back into the Golden Knights and the NHL trade deadline. But over the weekend, Bill Hornbuckle, the CEO of MGM, said that they are working with Steve Sisolak to have Allegiant Stadium full of fans by July. There's a Garth Brooks concert scheduled for July 10th, the Garth Brooks concert that's been rescheduled about 17 times. Hey, uh, there's someone should what? tell Ed about that. He'd be interested yeah, in going to that. Yeah, I've got, uh, I'm, well, I, I guarantee I've lost the tickets by now because they came virtually in my phone, <laughs> so there's no chance I can find those things. But, uh, yeah, it'll be very nice that night when I have tickets, but I can't attend because I can't find them. <laughs> uh, I know Adam Hill tweeted out there's a potential for Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier fight to be in Allegiant Stadium in July, and then obviously football season in August and September with the Raiders and UNLV. Um, but by the way, before we actually get into the stadium and the fans, why is Bill Hornbuckle of MGM the one working with Steve Sisolak to have a legion full of fans? Uh, you'd think it'd be the Raiders. Right, like, I, I, I get I, why I mean, MGM Bill would Hornbuckle, want them. Yeah, I don't know if Bill Hornbuckle... Bill Hornbuckle was at this uh, event, I think, handing out food that the Dame was at the other morning. That's where the media kind of congregated and bill hornbuckle was you know willing to talk so he's you know head of mgm you take him um you don't get him often so you're going to take him um i don't again i think mgm's probably part of the conversation like a lot of people are um i don't know if they'd be the main ones talking to syslack but obviously they've got vested interest in this whole thing with people coming to town and staying at their properties and eating in their restaurants and he wants a full stadium but if you asked me if he's the first guy Sisolak picks up the phone to, I don't know if that would be the case. I think it was just a case if he talked to the media, they they took him, you know, they, they, they got an interview with him and Bedane at this event, and he threw out there that, you know, there's been discussions with Sisolak. There's probably 10 people in these conversations that could have said the same thing, and he was one at the, he was the one at the event talking. And MGM CEOs are pretty notorious for just rambling on about sports. Sure. They're the ones that keep sure. telling us that the NBA is going to be here in five years every yeah. year they tell us that. Yeah. So I, I think you might be right that he I – mean, maybe it's not him there. specifically working with Steve right. Sisolak, but he knows people are working with Steve Sisolak, and he's just the one that's going to talk about it, whereas yes. – Mark Bedane and the Raiders would probably rather not come out and say, yep, we're working on getting it done because then yeah. you're setting an expectation, a bar that maybe you don't actually reach because maybe it doesn't happen in July. So what do you think? Like, 
Oh, Will Legion I mean, Stadium be full in July? Like, is that Garth Brooks concert going to happen with a with a full stadium? Are we going to have a UFC fight there with a full stadium in July? I mean, I think everyone wants it. I also think Hornbuckle uh, played a little scientist there and said that the numbers had been below 5% for a, a while. I, I read different things on that every day of where our numbers are. One day he's telling us it's below 5%. The other day I heard, you know, I read somewhere where the cases were spiking. So I have no idea really what the numbers are. Um, I would assume Sisolak would be very careful with that. Um, I think I'm like everybody in terms of what we do for a living, that you hope it's full, but you hope it's safe. Um I guess I won't be surprised either way. I won't be surprised. You know, kids are back in school now. It appears things have opened up. I, w- I was at the Golden Knights game yesterday. I pulled in, you know, to go to T-Mobile Arena to our parking uh, garage there where we park, and things were packed. The restaurants were packed outside. People were at food trucks lined up, 50 to a person. I mean, it. and I thought, man, you know, I don't, you know, if we're not fully back, we're close. So I guess I wouldn't be surprised you know, if for some reason I find the tickets, I'm at the Garth Brooks concert on you know July 10th with 68,000 other people. I'll tell you what, if that's true, uh, the wife's going to have me triple masked, but at least I'll take advantage of the tickets I paid for. I So to me, the, the biggest key for me is like vaccinations. And are we at a point in July where the majority of people have been vaccinated I, I don't know what that number is. I don't know if it's only like 60% or if you want 70 or 80. But if, if, we, if you could tell me in July, the majority of people are adults are vaccinated and the rest of the adults have the opportunity to get the vaccine. Right. right? That to me is the key. Does everybody have the opportunity? And I, and I mean, technically right now you do, but it, there's, you know, only so many vaccines they can do in a day. But if you told me in July that, the majority of the population has been vaccinated and the rest of the population has had the opportunity to go get it, then I think you're I think you're perfectly fine to open everything back up. I mean, you do still have to pay attention to hospitalization rates and deaths and total cases. But if you're telling me that everybody's got the vaccine or most people have the vaccine and everybody else has a chance to go get it, then at that point to me, I think you're looking around saying, okay, what are we waiting for? Like, are we waiting on people that are never going to get the vaccine to get the vaccine? Like, at that point, I think you just got to say that this is this is what it is now. And people that yeah. don't want to get it are not going to get it. And, and we're going. We're, we're, we're resuming as though things are normal. So that, that, that to me is what I look at personally and say, okay, the, the vaccination part is what's the key. As long as, you know, we're still sitting here saying the vaccines are still effective by the time July gets here. They might not be. We might find out, oh, there's a new variant that the vaccine doesn't protect against and we kind of all are screwed again. It's the only way you can gauge opening a stadium like that up, right? The percentage of people within a certain county or wherever and the percentage of the vaccines given up. Like you said, we've talked about this before. There will always be people who won't get it. That's fine. That's personal choice. You'd hope everyone would get it, whatever, whatever side you're on. But yeah, it has to be Sisolak looking at the percentage of people who've gotten it comparative to those who haven't, and then he has to make a decision to open up. I don't know what that percentage is today. Is it 80%? I have no idea. Have they said what the percentage is? I don't know. But that's the only way I think he can compare, like you said, comparing that to the current cases at the time, the current hospitalizations, you put out numbers and you make a call. That's the only way you can do this. And again, I'll, maybe you know more on this or you've read more on this. I don't know what that percentage is, but I would think it's what, it has to be like in the 80%, right? I mean, you can't have half the people vaccinated and open a stadium like that. 
I, I don't think they've given anything. I think they've been a little uh, more closely guarded about giving out specific numbers they want to hit as opposed to earlier in the pandemic when they would give out those numbers and then change their plan the next week. Right. Exactly. Uh, so I don't I haven't seen a specific number of what they want. But yeah, you're right. It would probably need to be closer to 80 percent. But I don't know what it is. Let me give you a hypothetical question, though. Let's say we get to September and Allegiant Stadium is not allowed to be full, that Allegiant Stadium is allowed to have 50% capacity. Would Mark Davis keep Allegiant Stadium empty like he did last season until all fans can come back? Keep it empty. Oh, I don't think he'll keep it empty, and I don't know if he'll go to a game. I don't know if he's going to go to a game until the whole place is full. Now, keep it empty or go half where they can make some profit off this and they don't have to go through another season with nobody there, then it's going to come down to your bottom line and and, and, and your revenues and your money. I mean, it's one thing to say, hey, we can have 3,000 people, and then you're like, all right, the cost effective, we don't know if that's a big deal. If you're saying 30,000 people, that would be hard to tell your season ticket holders who have been holding on to these PSLs and these season tickets and rolling <laughs> things over to where you can't come yet again. So I'm going to say 30% or 50% he would open it, but I I think he's not coming until it's full. I don't think he'll go back on that. Like, I think that would, in his mind, like I said, nobody would really care. I mean, you know, the Twitter tough guys would take shots at him, but who cares? But I think he's going to stand behind that and not come off that, that he won't be there until it's completely sold out. I was surprised last year that he actually stuck to it and didn't have fans in when they could have had fans in. UNLV had fans in for a couple of their games. I was surprised when he didn't bring fans in, even if it was just going to be 2,000. I would be stunned if they were allowed to have you know 30,000 30, fans or whatever. Yeah. And he said no. I would be absolutely no. stunned because that, to me, like – we talk about it all the time, like these sports leagues and these owners, they're not losing money. They're just not making as much money as they're used to making. But you're telling me 30,000 fans, that, that's making a massive difference. If you can have eight home oh. games with 30,000 fans, that's got to be a massive difference and, as far as how much money the Raiders are actually making in a year. Like, I, you know, turning away two or 3,000 still seems a little foolish, but it's two or 3,000. Multiply that by 10? I just I'd be I'd be stunned well, if they were allowed that fifty percent and he didn't have fifty percent. Yeah, and the other thing is, look, you're exactly right. That's what they would care about behind closed doors is the bottom line, and that's why you're worth that much money. That's how people think. But the other thing is, you can certainly sell it. Is let's be honest, Tyler, you have thirty thousand people. You're putting a lot of people to work, also. So that's another way to say, hey, these many concession stands are open. We're putting people back to work. Thirty thousand. You know, we're going to do good. That that's there's an easy way to sell it. Um, you know, in terms of, but their, their business is the bottom line. That's, and in all honesty, that's what it should be. That's, they built that stadium. They, they want to make money. That's how the world works. Uh, but 30,000, you'd have to let in. If you're saying no to 30,000, I just don't think it would be right in, in for all the things we're talking about. Yeah. And you mentioned the, the season ticket holders, like if, if they're allowed to have 30,000 and Mark Davis tells us, no, we're not doing it till it's full. I'd be, I'd be angry. I'd be furious. I'd be yeah. like, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? Like, we 30,000 people. And because at that point, you'd be looking around at the rest of the NFL, and pretty much every other team is probably going to have fans at that point. So I'd be I'd be furious if I was a season ticket holder. I mean, I'd, I'd be a little mad about last year, too, because you conceivably could have gone to a game last season, but Mark Davis yeah. said no. I'd be a little mad about last season. If it's 30,000, I'd be furious that the Raiders and Mark Davis would say no. So I have to imagine, hypothetically, if it's 50% in, in September, 
that they'll actually uh, this, let that 30,000 fans in. This is what we do know, given last year. Whatever the number is, UNLV is opening that place up. <laughs> the Eastern Washington game is not going to be in front of nobody, my friend. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. Are the Golden Knights actually going to do anything at the trade deadline? He sh- his pants. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. Ryan, give me a trade. Where's the trade? Why are 30 trades happening? What do we have? Three and a half hours. Where are the trades, Ryan? They all happened last night. Oh, my God. I'm trying to go, well, we want more. We want more. There were like three last night. There wasn't that many. I mean, that's still three more than I kind of imagined there would be this year with, <laughs> with internal salary caps and, and not a lot of teams really knowing what they are or what they want to do. Like, I, I listen, the trades that we have gotten have been interesting, um, and I don't think we're done. I, I, it's a lull right now, but I think as we get closer to that deadline, some trades are going to roll in here. So, what do you think the Golden Knights do? Like, when you say trades are rolling in here, you think any of those are Golden Knights in the next three and a half hours? Yeah, I I feel like there's going to be something that happens with the Golden Knights. I just don't really know what the avenue is to get there. And, you know, Vegas put Patrick Brown on long-term injured reserve earlier today, and that doesn't buy you a a whole heck of a lot of money. But, you know, I I do think that there's something – that, that the Golden Knights are, are going to do, I would argue that you're looking at probably a forward, ideally a center, somebody that can play on your third line. Um, I just, I'm not sure that the salary cap implications provide a clear avenue for doing that without moving out some money. So it'll be interesting to, to pay attention to what Kelly McCrimmon does do today and how the Golden Knights try to improve their team as they head toward the playoffs. Uh, Ryan, I know what their answer will be. I want your answer on this, given kind of what we've seen maybe from the bottom six and Tuck and others. If they do nothing and they stand pat, are they good enough to win the Stanley Cup? Uh, Yeah, that's a tough question, right? Because I I do think that they can beat Colorado, but there are other teams in this league beyond Colorado that you would have to beat. When you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning – and the fact that they were able to get David Savard on their blue line to help kind of shore that up. They've got Andre Vasilevsky, who has been just so dominant this season in goal. And then you've got their, their incredibly deep forward core, and they're also going to be adding at some point in the playoffs Nikita Kucherov, at least that's the belief. Uh, I, I think Tampa Bay is still the class of the league. I still think that they're the best team in this league. And I, I don't know that there are many teams that are in the position right now to match Tampa Bay and beat that team. They would be my heavy favorite to repeat as Stanley Cup champions this season. They're just so, so good. So the Golden Knights should be sellers. They should be trying to get picks for the future then. No, that's that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm (laughs) saying is you can take a look at where you're at if you're the Golden Knights, and if there's a player out there that you think can – can really solidify your bottom six. And, and granted, like Tomas Nosek has been fantastic. Will Carrier has come alive over the last couple of games. You're getting that those depth contributions, but you still need more out of Alex Tuck, and I think you need more 
out of Alex Tuck and a player can bring that along for him. Um, I just, I think that you're, you're a team that is maybe one or two pieces away from really having a top nine with a fourth line that you can rely on in all situations. And it's up to Kelly McCrimmon to try to figure out how to do that with, uh, with a lot of restrictions based on your salary cap. So they scored seven goals on Friday, but if we throw that away, uh, how worried are you about the scoring at the top of the lineup for this team over the last two weeks or so? Yeah, I mean, it's a real concern, right? Like, it, 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 Mark Stone's still picking up points. He's still getting assists, but you'd like to see him put the puck in the back of the net just because you haven't seen it recently. Max Pacioretty gets that empty net goal, and he hits three posts in the game yesterday. I don't. I'm not so worried about Max Pacioretty. I think that his chances are are right there, and he's probably going to break out with a couple in the next few games. But I mean, it's a concern that Mark Stone isn't scoring right now. It is a concern that Alex Tuck, who was so good early on in this season, and let me just say, in terms of Alex Tuck, I understand that the pucks aren't going in right now, but defensively, he has been so much more engaged this season. He's making plays on both ends of the ice, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. But at some point, the pucks need to start going in for Alex Tuck. But, yeah, I mean, if the Golden Knights are, are relying on their bottom six to, to chip in and <laughs> generate all their offense, that's not the recipe for success for this team that is very top-heavy. Uh, want to know what you thought right when the hit happened from Reeves to Jordan Gross, and then this morning they come out, there's no discipline, uh, said that Reeves attempted to hit squarely through the body. He definitively did not make the point, main point of contact the head. Uh, what were your thoughts right when you saw it, and now that you understand he won't have discipline, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, initially I thought it was it was a, a hit that was going to get some supplemental discipline. I, I really did. it. You know, you, you've got a, a guy in Ryan Reeves and a, a guy in Jordan Gross. There's a bit of a, a height discrepancy between the two players. And, um, you know, I, I, I think the follow-through from Reeves certainly makes it appear um, like a, a, a shot where the principal point of contact is the head. I, it, when you watch it live, in real time, it looked like it was a hit that was going to land a suspension. Uh, if, you, if you slow it down and you really try to agonize over it frame for frame, I think you can understand why the NHL Department of Player Safety, by the rule book, determined that there was a, a, an attempt to make a clean hit and that head contact wasn't, um, it wasn't the principal point. So, um, I mean, it, it's hard for me to really make the argument against what the Department of Player Safety puts out there because they're the ones that are looking at that and agonizing it that over uh, frame over frame. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a good thing for Ryan Reeves and the Vegas Golden Knights that, that he escapes supplemental discipline for that hit. Why do you think Arizona Vegas was such a dirty game yesterday? Well, because I, okay. So Ryan Reeves lays the hit, right? And ordinarily in that situation, somebody on Arizona would would walk up to Reeves, skate up to Reeves, whatever, and they would drop the gloves and they would fight, and then you would put that incident behind you. Unfortunately for the Arizona Coyotes, they don't have anybody that's going to go toe-to-toe with Ryan Reeves. They don't have anybody that's going to fight Ryan Reeves. It would be a losing proposition no matter how you slice it. So I think what Arizona's thought process was 
is, okay, we didn't like that hit. We're going to pick our spots, and we are going to throw pretty dangerous hits. And the two in particular that I'm looking at is Jason Demers on Max Pacioretty, sends Pacioretty headfirst into the boards. That is a dangerous hit. And then Connor Garland going low and taking the legs out for Mark Stone with 30 seconds left in the game. That's a dangerous hit. And if you're Arizona and you can't fight Ryan Reeves, then that's what you resort to, and it turned into a chippy and dirty and reckless game. Do you? I know. I know Colorado added the goalie. Are, are they that much? I don't know if they're going to lose again. DeBoer made that joke last week. But does that mean? Does that mean anything to you that they add uh, Grubenau? Does that mean anything to you at all? Or when they get to the playoffs, it won't matter, and you know he's not going to play much anyway. Anything Colorado's done that has made them exponentially better. Well, I, I think adding Devin Dubnik certainly helps them uh, rest Philip Grubauer down the stretch. And I think that if there's ever an issue in the playoffs with Grubauer, Dubnik is more than capable on that team of being a good goaltender. Colorado Avalanche, they don't give up a lot of chances. They're incredibly deep in terms of their defense and their forward core. So, I, I I know I saw some takes about how Devin Dubnik is not a very good goalie. My argument is I could probably be a, a league average goaltender with the Colorado Avalanche. So Devin <laughs> Dubnik will be just fine. And he's an insurance policy. When you get to the playoffs, you're going to ride Philip Grubauer. That's going to be the plan for the Colorado Avalanche. But in the event that he gets hurt, as we saw last year in the bubble, then you can at least go to Devin Dubnik and you can, you can have that sense that you can still win and you can still progress in the Stanley Cup playoffs because when Philip Grubauer went down for the Colorado Avalanche and they had to turn to Michael Hutchinson, you could tell that they knew their season was over. All right, when you look at the game tonight, the Golden Knights are playing the Kings. Are they going to have a full lineup when they take the ice? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know. Like, I would imagine that if Keegan Colasar can't go, then, then Cody Glass could slide in. The, the money is not too much different there. But if Ryan Reeves can't go, then I think they're going to be a forward short. And, you know, again, that's why we sit here and we think about all these deals that the Golden Knights should go out and make. And then we say, but can they actually make a deal? I, I don't know. I, I, the Golden Knights may have to play a man down again today because they just simply don't have the cap space. Regardless of the salary cap, if they were to make a trade and send one of their forwards out, I mean, I assume the forward, whoever they trade for, wouldn't actually get here in time. Like they would have to play down like two men potentially if they made a trade where they sent somebody out. That's weird. It's almost like we've seen that before. <laughs> If, um, if, if for whatever reason they do that, who would go out in your mind? Um, I, I'm not convinced that it would be a forward. I, I think that if you're, if you're looking at having to move money out and you want to do it in the least disruptive way to your team and with Zach Whitecloud getting back, I, I think you have to look at the blue line. I think you have to look at you know, uh, Nick Holden, who has become kind of that Devin's defenseman on this team, and you can maybe even make the argument that, you know, Dylan Coughlin might be seven and, and Holden might be eight. So, you know, I, I think if, if Kelly McCrimmon or the Golden Knights are looking at this and they're trying to bring in a forward, but they don't want to subtract anything from what they've got up front, 
then I think you're looking at a defenseman more than anything else. Uh, so they can just trade all the defensemen and bring in Jake Bischoff, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no. Great question. Thank probably, you. Probably not. Well, did, well I, done, did I Tyler. cut out there? Did I cut out there or not? Uh, Jake Bischoff? Oh no, no, no. no. I, I thought. No, oh, no, you didn't. You didn't cut out. You didn't cut out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I, I didn't out. really know how to answer that, Tyler. Oh well. Yeah, I mean, the answer was yes. Jake Bischoff would make this team better than the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, okay. I, I, I believe Jake is still technically hurt. So Yeah, I think he is too. So, But that's okay. That just means he can come back later in the season and surprise everybody. Even more of a shock. Everybody's excited about getting somebody at the trade deadline. Just wait until Jake Bischoff comes back with three days left in the season and is a superstar. How far how far down is that kid in the pecking order, by the way, if they had to go to him? How far down is that It's amazing to me the hill you will die on because of your last name. <laughs> Why wouldn't I die on it? What are you talking about? Of course I would. It's a great well, last I, name. Yeah, it's 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 okay. Ryan, he's not will he's not just willing to like let himself die on the hill. He's willing to let the show die on that hill based on the <laughs> abundant <laughs> silence that happens I every just, time he brings him up. And I did it yeah, three every, times in a row, expecting the silence all three times. <laughs> every time you bring up Jake Bischoff and I don't really want to answer the question, I'm just not going to. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be John Tortorella after he loses a game. Spectacular! I can't wait. It's gonna be great, especially when they you know lose a game because Nick Hay can't skate or something. I'll get to bring it up. He's Ryan Wallace, Ryan Hockey Guy on Twitter. Ryan, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Right, thanks, guys. Oh, bring him up, Jake Bischoff, to fix uh, all their problems. If Nick Hay goes in the box one more time, maybe they'll bring Bischoff up because he's. <laughs> pro- he, I think he set a record for going into the penalty box last month. All right, we need a new sharp. Uh, Jared streak did not go very well. Oh, he got one one day, and then he his his a uh, lifeline didn't go very well for him either. The phone number is 702-364-1100. You get to make a pick, a pick on any games happening today. Make a pick. If you get it right, you come back the next day. You're trying to go on a streak. Prove you are the best sharp of this show. Our longest streak is eight days. That happened a long time ago. Nobody's really come close in a while either. So 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100 if you'd like to be our sharp. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. All right, our sharp is Buddy. Buddy, where would you like to go for your pick today? All right, today we're going to the, the baseball. We're going to go Padres Pirates. We're going to take Pirates plus 200 with upset. All right. Oh, Ed's going right. to love that one. So the Pirates. Oh, good job, Buddy. As an underdog job, upsetting the Padres. All right, I we got that. you in. Love that. Good luck. If the Pirates win, we'll be talking to you tomorrow. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Oh, Ed, you've got to be excited about that. Oh, man. Good for Buddy. I hope Buddy is really a sharp, though. i got to hope he's a, <laughs> a real sharp, because if so, I like it. I love it. I, I do enjoy that he just went straight, he went straight to them them pulling off yeah. the upset. Even th- didn't even think about it. Okay, you guys each have two seconds. Name a Pirates player. Oh, is is uh, no, they traded that guy. Yep. Oh. All right, so there we go. <laughs> I was going to say Jamison Talon, but I'm pretty sure they traded him. 
who plays for the Pirates? Man. Does Harrison still play for the Pirates? Are you just saying common last name to try to see who you who no, you can No, get? no, I'm I'm remembering a and this this could be from years ago. I remember a guy that played for the Pirates who in fantasy was eligible for like nine positions. And I vaguely recall his last name being Harrison, and he would be on the waiver wire every week because someone would pick him up and drop him because he played nine positions. Man, I I couldn't tell you. I can't think of one. I honestly cannot think of a pirate. Josh Harrison. Who's on that team? That's not. That's, that's just a. That's just a guy I went to high school with, or something like that. Josh Harrison is that's... an American professional baseball I... infielder for the Washington Nationals. <laughs> I will. I will tell you. I will tell you the guy leading him in home runs and RBI is Evans, the third baseman. Is Evans the third baseman? We don't know his first name, and we're going to leave it just no, at that. He, we don't need no. to know the is first Evans, name of Evans. His first name starts with a P, isn't no, it? Paul. No, Might be no, Paul, no, no, no. Sure. For, for, for our show's purposes, it's like Cher. His name is just Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Evans. That damn Evans, Evans took Kershaw deep yesterday. I can't wait for that. That's going to be great. Um, By the way, I did want to recap this really quick because Jared was our fill-in sharp the last couple oh, of days. God, and. Yeah. We gave him a lifeline because he missed a, a game, obviously. Yeah. And he had to pick the winners of five, five. games, five soccer games in Europe. Uh, just to recap these, Barcelona, Real Madrid, you pick Barcelona, Real Madrid won. Frankfurt, Wolfsburg, you pick Frankfurt? Frankfurt did, in fact, win. So your Bundesliga knowledge is awesome, Jared. Uh, in League One in France, you picked Marseille to beat Montpellier. They ended in a draw. Sorry you missed that one. Uh, you had a draw predicted for West Ham and Leicester. You missed that one as well because West Ham won the game. And you correctly picked Atalanta to beat Fiorentina. So you got two of five. You got Italy and Germany right. You missed in Spain, England, and France. I mean, I think the last lifeline didn't have five that they needed to pick. Well, but uh, yeah, you're the, you know, yeah, but... You're on yeah. the show. It's got to be You're part of the show. You. You're part of the show. Yeah. yeah. Well, You're oh, lucky I didn't give you 10. Jesus. <laughs> All right. But, uh, so what, I, that, I ends me, my, that ends my streak at, what, three and four? Not horrible. <laughs> uh, yes. You got three of the seven games you tried to predict correct. See, uh, what, and that is horrible, actually. You will lose all of your money very quickly if you go three and four all the time. I mean, were any of them big upsets? Uh, no, Atalanta was favored, and I think Frankfurt was favored, too. I think you picked the two favorites, and they won. Well, then, you know. <laughs> Jared, Jared, the best part about all of this is come tomorrow night, when we look at the rundown, it very well could say that you and I are the only ones left in our bet. That could oh. be that tomorrow night. Oh, yeah. By tomorrow night, uh, uh, Bayern Munich might be completely gone, and it's you and I knowing Tyler has to buy somebody lunch. That I mean, that won't, that won't be in the rundown if that happens. Just <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we will be able to bring – no matter what Jared asks as the opening question, I'm talking about that game if they lose. <laughs> it won't matter what he even uh, – he yeah. could be asking about the Raiders. Yeah, forget them. Let's get Not, back to soccer. Yeah, yesterday. Flurry gave up eight goals. Who cares? <laughs> yes. But the most important thing <laughs> is Byron Munich. PSG, yeah, PSG beat Byron Munich and Byron Munich's oh. out. We got screwed with the draw. Unbelievable. Oh, okay, here we go. 
Unbelievable. Oh, I, you're going to get I already gave you the excuses. They lost the first leg of the series because they, <laughs> they're expected, their expected goals is like five. Oh. PSG's was like one, and they lost the game three to two. It's ridiculous. What a dumb sport. Who pays attention to this? Unbelievable. I believe, I, I believe this is the most soccer content in all of Las Vegas radio. <laughs> oh, no And at one point, the lights had their own radio show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, poor Bayern Munich. Don't you feel bad for the best team in the world? No, Man City's playing on Wednesday. <laughs> Why would Just I wait till they blow? I think if Man City wins, they play the winner of Chelsea and No, no, if Man City wins, they get PSG. No. That's right. Yeah, yeah. PSG. Or, well, oh, hopefully they get Bayern man. Munich instead. But, yeah, oh. Man City's going to lose to PSG, too. You just wait. Jared's oh, going to ride okay. PSG to a free lunch. <laughs> Unbelievable. PSG to a lunch. Jared, we're not, Ed, Ed, you watch. We're not even going to get either of our teams in the final. It's going to be two of the no. damn teams Jared has. It's going to be two Jared teams. But Jared's then he's going to have to pick the exact score lunch. for us to buy him lunch. <laughs> <laughs>